2: Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
1: You have 47 new voicemails.
2: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning and welcome to the
3: Morning Beat on this Friday morning as we watch images coming in from Hurricane Ian. Uh, We're looking at Fort Myers, Florida. That's where my parents have a house, actually, and literally entire yachts somehow in between homes in between buildings like look at these like they photo- made it like They are up on land in between buildings. Like, how did they even get there? That's how high the water was down in Florida.
4: Well, first of all, I have to tell you this. I don't know if you keep up, but have you ever seen the show Queen of Versailles? Do you remember that show with the seagulls? The guy owned all those hotels like 10 years ago, and they were building this ridiculous mansion of a home. Mm -mm. It was kind of freaky. Well, they have a new show on Discovery Plus called Queen of Versailles, and- they finally built this hotel of a mansion. It's been like 10 years in the making. Like millions of dollars. And a lot of people liken her to like Jennifer Coolidge. Like it's it's a bizarre thing watching the whole thing. 15 years it takes the house to get built, crushed in Hurricane Ian. No. Yes. Yes. (sighs) It's crazy. I just saw this morning. And like I can't imagine. I feel like a lot of people that I know came out unscathed. Her home got completely crushed.
3: My parents, your parents parents, roof roof was blown off. So we don't know what the actual damage inside their home is just yet. Um, If it's really bad, they're supposed to hopefully find out today, this morning, because they're waiting for a neighbor to go over and take some photos for them. Uh, If it's really bad, I think they're going to drive down there tomorrow and I might try to fly down there and meet them for a day or two and try to help in any way that I can. Um, Yeah, it's just devastating to see these images. They're just unbelievable. 20,000. Uh, plus Floridians right now uh, in shelters, a couple million people still without power. So we're keeping an eye on this. I also want to give a shout out, and I I definitely want to bring this up later, but I know that you uh, marched for Iranian women last night, and it was really, really impactful. Uh, We do want to get to that today. I want to talk about that. I want, I want our listeners to hear your story. We have to get the news on the beat now. Thank you, bae. Uh But maybe throughout the morning you can share bits and pieces of what you sort of experienced
4: last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to take a little segment to talk about it because not only was it for Iranian women, it was for um, lesbian women. A lesbian Iranian woman spoke yesterday and she said, you know, we're still not getting a lot of attention mm. as the LGBTQ community and she said, we have been murdered for over 43 years and if I yeah. were still there, I'd be, she said she was on a list. She literally cannot go back to iran because she's the mayor of west hollywood as an iranian uh lesbian and if she went back they would have her killed wow is that insane Just maybe we'll have her call into the show because it was wild to think about that in our community there
3: vanessa's taking notes get on it vanessa uh that's incredible. Uh, and I can't wait to hear more. Uh, we're going to do that a little bit later on in the show right now, though. It's time for some news on the beat. What else is going on around the world?
4: OK, babe, there was a time when allowing gays, lesbians and bisexuals to serve openly in the U.S. military was one of the most controversial issues in the nation. But a recently unearthed Pentagon report shows how unfounded any fears open uh, about open service by LGBT LGBTQ people were. The report repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell, a historical perspective from the Joint Chiefs of Staff was released in 2021, but was not publicized. Now, the Palm Center, a San Francisco-based think tank on LGBTQ plus issues in the military, has informed the public about it. The Palm Center has also announced it'll be ceasing operations at the end of September. The report was published by the Joint History and Research Office, which provides the Joint Chiefs with information and chronicles military activities. It appears to mirror a 2016 classified report with the same title notes a Palm Center press release. It is unclear why the report was originally classified. The Palm Center sought comment from the Joint History and Research Office, but did not receive a response. I'll tell you why
3: it was classified, because they're a-holes, because there never was a reason for gay people, for queer people to not serve openly in the military. And they know that. They never had a reason. The only reason was bigotry and hatred and fear. That was it. Mm -hmm. And once they actually did multiple studies into that and got actual results, they realized, oh, yeah, wow, we did make all of this up. Yeah. And yet an entire generation of of queer people was, was damaged because of it. It, it's what the republican party does it's what conservatives do they scare people they scare you they won't even be afraid what would happen if if we gave black people the right to do this or women the right to do that or queer people the right to exist here it's just it's the same playbook over and over and over again
4: a hundred percent a hundred percent all right let's get into weather 61 in boston today 65 in new york 85 in Miami, 97 in Vegas, 82 in L.A., and 100 in Palm Springs. Now, please give us a vibe of the day.
3: The only way to be truly satisfied with your life is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Amen. Hmm. Good
4: morning,
5: B. Channel Q.
3: Welcome back to the show. You know, I remember being a kid and my mom uh, bringing home the first movie that that she ever bought for us on VHS. When VCRs first became a thing, Mm -hmm. the first movie we ever rented was uh, An American Tale. Fievel, The Little Mouse.
4: Oh, my God. I loved Fievel.
3: Somewhere out there. His
4: little voice.
3: That was the first one we ever rented. The first movie we ever owned was Bambi. Both of them are a little bit traumatic for a kid.
5: Extremely. And
3: (laughs) when we watched Bambi for the first time, my mom was telling us how she loved this movie when she was a little girl. And then I remember being, gosh, six or seven years old, probably, and watching it. And I cried. My mom cried. My sister might not have cried. She doesn't have a heart. I don't know. But <laughs> neither here nor there. The part where Bambi's, was it mother, gets shot Ugh. by a hunter? Don't. I, traumatized. Don't. And I bring this up because there is a video going viral right now of a little girl uh, watching The Lion King for the very first time. She's sitting at her kitchen table eating some snacks. And she's giving a play by play. Take a listen.
1: Going down. Simba's helping him. He's tired Mom, he's going to get him. No. If it's, oh, he's
3: going to. This little girl just breaks down and starts bawling. But
4: listen, so did I. And I think a lot of little kids did, and you don't notice it until you're a grown-up. When Mufasa died, Mm -hmm. I thought my mom and dad were going to die for, like, the next two years. Yeah. Like, you're five, you're six. And same with Bambi. When Bambi's mom died... Oh my God, I had these reoccurring nightmares that my mom was going to die. It's too much. And I would go into her bedroom mm-hmm. and I would literally uh, wake her up. And I was like, you can't die. Yes,
3: at least in you know Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, uh, Beauty and the Beast, the Little Mermaid. We never knew where the mom was. Like, we just never had to deal with it. Right. We'd actually have to deal with the death of somebody, which is a little bit weird. They always kill off the mom, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and then you have like movies like Pixar's Up. The opening scene where the grandpa, his wife, they go over oh a montage of their, and then she's dead. It's just too much.
4: Yeah. And you know, look, I think that it is important to explain it at a, at a very early age that death is inevitable. Well, that's, the, that's the question. How and young? That's okay. How
3: young is too young? Because this girl was two years old.
4: Well, I think that. Mufasa and Bambi aren't the way to explain what death is. Yeah. I really don't. I think that from a very early age, we're taught that death is, like, over. Like, the Like I, I actually, as a 34-year-old woman, have a fear of death still. And I've done, like, plant medicine. I've done things to help me get through it, even therapy. I have this weird thing still. Like, oh, my God, what happens if Lisa, like something happen i have a very difficult time with it
3: i i I hear you i think about i'm the older one in our relationship by 10 years so i think about he better not date anybody no i'm just kidding (laughs) but i think about what would happen if i'm getting older and if we don't have kids sometimes i think about if you don't have kids Mm -hmm. what do you do at the end of your life what if you lose your partner god forbid or what if it's just the two of you alone every single holiday for the rest of eternity, right? So I think about death in that way. Like, am I going to be alone someday? Because right now it's great. But not having kids and a family down the road could be really, really, you know, scary. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Her dad, uh, her dad, her name's Rory, by the way. Her dad's name is Joshua. And this went up on TikTok. And it's got a lot of people debating, like, how young is too young? What should And I think that death is inevitable, Right. And I think that like Disney and other cartoons do a pretty good job of showing that it can be traumatic but also that you can overcome and that they're always with you. Because you also remember, throughout the film, Mufasa does come back to him as a spirit. And he's there with he is there with him and he is still guiding him and and that's sort of the lesson I think.
4: Well and yeah, you've got like the circle of life that's sung. But I just I think that little kids I mean, even I'll say, for example, my niece who just turned six, having a very difficult time with her dad being away. They're celebrating her proper birthday this weekend, and she had a meltdown last week that her dad wasn't going to be there. Then she realized he's not going to be there for Halloween, because Halloween's before November when he comes home. Meltdown. Mm. Little kids don't know any different. They just know they love their parents, and I feel like it just makes me sad. It's hard,
3: because we want to protect them from everything, right? Always, forever. But... They all. You also have to prepare kids for the real world, and sometimes people really actually do die, and it's 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 a it's a tough balance. Little um, I think that a good a good middle ground is all dogs go to heaven. Okay.
4: Oh all god, dogs go that to heaven. was a film.
3: It shows that they passed
4: on. That was a but film. Say
3: Kind of around. Praise them. All dogs go to heaven. Never they got do. the shine it deserved, but it is an iconic, iconic film. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it this weekend. What?
5: The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon, Channel Q. Every
3: now and then, a what's popping story hits really close to home, and this time it's hitting from every single angle, mm-hmm. honey. Uh, what's going on?
4: All right. Well, Erica Jane has been on our show, and um, she premiered uh, last night on Housewives with a very familiar person, Dr. Jen Mann. Now, Erica Jane knew her life was not so. Pretty, more like a hot mess. So she uh, has resumed sessions with psychotherapist Dr. Jen Mann. Uh, Dr. Jen said, I was really thrilled when she reached out to me. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is something that I watch. I just saw her kind of just go in such a self self." Destructive direction. I could see how much pain she was in, how much anger she was dealing with, and how terribly the stress was getting to her. So she offered therapy to her, which um Erica said yes to. And I think it's great. Listen, in 2020, I had the opportunity to do the show with Dr. Jen Man. I think that you were out. You weren't feeling good. It, we were. 2020 was a wild year. I think mm. you may have been sick or something. Yeah. But that was the first opportunity I had to really sit down with Dr. Jen and kind of talk to her about all these things that I had yet worked out. Mm-hmm. And she really is the reason I started therapy. And she has been a really dear friend in the sense that she uh, she helped me really work through so much. And
3: she always shows up for us. She, I think she filled in for me last week. Yeah. When I was out one day. Yes. Uh, fantastic. And Erica's a friend of mine and has been for many years. And she's been going through it, honey. Um, I mean, obviously, the divorce took place back in December of 2020, right before the pandemic was kind of, you know, full tilt or or towards the end of the after the pandemic was already started. But her husband um, has Alzheimer's. He has dementia. And last night we watched this week's episode where Jen Mann was featured. And she's been working with her for about three years, but not consistently recently. And Erica's been spiraling. As her friend, it's, it's hard to watch because she's spiraling she's going through she's on antidepressants but then she's drinking alcohol and she's going off on her castmates. but she she has the last couple of episodes really opened up and really last night she said um when she was talking to dr jen she said something along the lines of you know i'm also suffering i i understand the victims are suffering but so am i i lost everything I lost the man that I've loved for 20-some years, my husband, my my lifestyle, my home, many of my friends, all of these things because people are making accusations about me and assumptions about me in, in regards to these victims. Yeah. And, and... It's a, one of those situations mm. where I feel like we got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. You can feel for the victims and also feel for Erica because so far she's been cleared of literally everything.
4: Yeah, I listen. I, I feel really bad, and I am no one to judge. I went on a very, very self-destructive path in 2020 after the loss of my grandma. Yeah. Um, alcohol played a part, all the things play a part. Like you can't judge anybody on how they're dealing with such life altering things. Yep. I can just say as a woman, I'm grateful that she's found Dr. Jen Man, Dr. Yeah. Jen helped me. This is a very normal thing for Erica to be feeling. I think we need to normalize watching somebody spiral out mm-hmm. of control. You
3: gotta remember how she left the marriage too. She snuck out while he was gone took like a carload of stuff and just left, left her entire mansion, all of her belongings, everything else just behind, packed up some of her personal belongings and left. She was in a desperate position. She said last night during the episode at one point, and she had tears in her eyes and she's been like more vulnerable recently and it's it's been heartbreaking to watch, but she finally said, I'm just tired of fighting. And I hope, I really do hope that what, you know, what happened with my husband and these victims I hope that it all just got away from him. Not that he orchestrated the entire thing. Meaning she uh, hopes yeah. that he slowly just made some bad decisions and didn't know how to, like, keep up with it and, like, got caught up in it as opposed to planned Maybe. to steal from these victims. And that was a heartbreaking revelation for her. I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess when we step back from it and, like, personalize it a little bit more that's really it's it is my ex was it all a lie and he was an evil villainous person or did it all just slip away from him
4: yeah listen i hope Mm. the latter for her as well but i'm glad she's getting help all right coming up what should people do after a natural disaster watching hurricane ian literally take storm what should people do now we'll discuss in the next hour
5: the morning beat with aj gibson and michaela gordon channel q
3: Welcome back to the show. We have a fantastic hour coming up for you here in about 12 minutes. We're going to be joined by an expert who has worked with the White House, the Department of Defense on on being prepared for catastrophes, for these large weather events like we're seeing in Florida and South Carolina with Hurricane Ian. Uh, Really, really great advice. And if you live in an area where you you think you could be prone to these natural disasters, which is pretty much everywhere nowadays, we're we're talking earthquakes out here on the West Coast, tornadoes in my home state of Ohio and throughout Tornado Alley in the South, hurricanes in the the far South and the East. I mean, we're all susceptible to some sort of catastrophe. Uh, So how do you prepare? Like what can you do so you can mitigate uh, the negative impact uh, before it actually happens? He's gonna be joining us to share some of his expert advice. So if you are a loved one, has been affected by Hurricane Ian or another natural disaster recently? Uh, you definitely want to tune in so you can know uh, know how to stay safe.
4: Absolutely, my, it's listen, my a scary parents, time out there. My
3: parents are literally going through it right now. The roof was ripped off of their home in in Punta Gorda, Florida. So it it, it can happen to literally anyone. Awful. Um. So join us for that conversation here in a little bit, and then also very powerful hour. You're going to be talking to us about a vigil you uh, attended last night in West Hollywood uh, for Masa Amini, uh, the Iranian woman who was murdered recently. And these women, who they, oh they are not staying quiet.
4: They're a force, honey.
3: Yeah. And so you showed up last night and I, I'm, I'm excited for our listeners to hear your, your first uh, First-hand perspective, uh, counting, recounting of the events last night, and um, and I, you told me this morning, and I was very moved. So I'm excited for our listeners to hear that as well this hour. And then we've got Shania Twain talking about Oprah Winfrey Woo! and what's popping. This one's
4: kind of juicy. we go. Kind of juicy and
3: very relatable. Yeah. Uh, but It's a great hour here in the Morning Beat. Thank you so much for hanging out with us as always. Right now, though, it's time for some news on the beat.
4: Okay, well, a drag performer has filed a defamation lawsuit against a far-right blogger. He accuses of releasing a doctored video that falsely made it look... As if he had exposed himself to children, Eric Posey filed the lawsuit Monday in a court in Northern Idaho saying his reputation was damaged and his professional opportunities suffered. After Summer Bushnell, who runs a blog called The Bushnell Report, released the video and falsely told her social media followers that Posey had committed a felony by exposing himself to children during a Pride event in June. A subsequent police investigation cleared Posey of wrongdoing and a city prosecutor said an unedited copy of the video showed no evidence of indecent exposure. Bushnell's false claims in the edited video quickly spread online, fueling increasing levels of hateful rhetoric targeting Posey and other members of the LGBTQ community. Posey's attorney, Wendy Olson, said Wednesday... All right, another news. Jacob Nathaniel Pring, a D.C. area LGBTQ rights advocate whose career included working as a mortgage loan officer and Lyft driver by day while organizing social events and parties at night and on the weekends at D.C. gay bars and other venues, including Gay Day at the National Zoo, died September 26th at his home in Springfield. He was 47 years old. His longtime friend, Nicholas de Blasio, said another friend and housemate at the group home where Pring lived found him dead, deceased in his room. De Blasio said Pring's passing was sudden and unexpected, and friends and family members were awaiting the results of toxicology tests associated with an autopsy performed by the Virginia Office of the Chief Medical Examiner to determine the cause of death. Jacob was a good man and he had an engaging personality, a marvelous smile, according to one friend. One of his housemates who posted a tribute to Pring on Facebook said, above all, Jacob's personality was big and the only thing that was perhaps bigger was his smile. All right, let's get into weather. 65 in D.C., 80 in Orlando, 80 in Denver, 74 in San Francisco, 82 in L.A., and 100 in Cathedral City. Give us a vibe of the day.
3: The only way to be truly satisfied with your life is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do.
4: Absolutely. All right, coming up, John Ramey, founder of The Prepared, is telling us what to do after devastating hurricanes have taken out so many homes. We'll discuss coming up in seven minutes.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
5: The Morning Beat with A.J. Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q.
3: Welcome back to The Morning Beat. As we continue watching coverage of the destruction of Hurricane Ian in Florida, uh, we turn our eyes to South Carolina. It has been classified a hurricane again and they're about to get hit. Uh, So we're asking many questions. One, uh, for those in Florida, how do you recover? And two, for those in South Carolina, how do you prepare? right? And mm-hmm. this is not the last time we're going to see a storm mm-hmm. like this. Well, somebody who's been working on just that for the last 16 years uh, is John Rainey who's the founder of The Prepared. He's been uh, prepping and teaching others uh, during that time. He has a background in Silicon Valley and the government advised the White House, the Department of Defense on emergency technology. And he's joining us remotely right now. John, thank you so much for being here. How are you?
2: My pleasure. Well,
3: thank you. Well, as somebody who has been, you know, made this your life's work in the last couple of decades, uh, when you see uh, Hurricane Ian and the destruction in Florida uh, and and the people trying to now recover and and pull their lives back together, um, what sort of advice might you give to those people down there?
2: Well, the most immediate advice for people that have been disrupted by the hurricane as they're starting to go back to their home is to still be careful, right? Like Mm -hmm. this morning, I've been looking at pictures of people not only wading through floodwaters to get back to their home or business, but even enjoying it and going for a swim to make fun or have have fun in this situation. But that's bad. Like that, those floodwaters are disgusting. Mm -hmm. And so even though the acute event is over, people then tend to kind of uh, step back into it quickly and not realize that there's lingering danger like contaminated floodwater, Maybe the structure of their building has been compromised, right? Like maybe the foundation has been lifted and slid and now that building is dangerous. So the main advice is as you're going back to your area, just be careful. Don't assume that things are over. Uh, Don't drive through floodwaters. That's another common mistake. People think, oh, it only looks like a foot or two deep. I'll just drive through it and then their car gets lifted up and swept down the road. You you have a very helpful mantra about that.
3: Uh, turn around don't drown which i think is so catchy. Mm.
2: Yeah, exactly. Just little, you know, little things to help people remember or maybe remind themselves in that moment, oh, the danger's not over yet. Of course, the hard part's passed but we're not back to normal there might be downed electrical lines what have you so you just want to keep your head screwed on straight as you're going back to an area after a big disaster like this
4: you know john i had a leak a couple of weeks ago my pipe burst upstairs and it made my whole bathroom flood and i was like oh my god we cleaned it up we were irritated and then we started thinking about mold and we were like oh man i hope no mold could be uh coming from this it just made us a little concerned Never would I have have I ever been in an experience the way that some of these Florida homes have been. What are some of the long-term effects with this water damage? And could they or do they need to be on the lookout for black mold, mold, the living conditions for young children and breathing?
2: They absolutely do. And you're right to focus on water. I mean, even without a specific disaster, just in general, as a homeowner, water is one of your largest threats right you don't want water to be where it's not supposed to be because that's one of the worst things that can happen to a home now of course when something like this happens and there's major flooding that just jacks up the the risk level a thousand percent right so if you're unsure about it ask for help now it's going to take right the those types of uh, professionals are focused on more important things the next few days but if you think over the next days or weeks Maybe there's a weird smell or water got to a place that you're not now able to easily get to and make sure it's dried out and clean, call in a professional. And it's actually not too expensive. And it's definitely one of those an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of pain type of scenarios because you do not want to be dealing with hidden mold or hidden rot that you only discover a few years later, especially in a place like Florida where it's naturally so humid. uh, Things that have gotten wet in a storm like this aren't going to naturally dry out as well as they would in other parts of the country.
3: We're just on joining us, John Ramey is on the line. Uh, he is an expert on preparing for and recovering from natural disasters. Uh, now, you've worked with the federal government before. You've you've uh, advised the White House and the Department of Defense on sort of like how to deal with these because these these catastrophes, unfortunately, are going to probably get worse mm-hmm. in the coming years due to climate change and other yeah. other things, right? Yeah. Um, my family currently, I've, my mom is literally texting me as I'm on the line with you, talking to you, and they just bought a home in Fort Myers, in Punta Gorda, uh, two years ago, and the roof was ripped off. And so I've been saying, listen, mom, I will get there and help you any way that I can. And the plan was I was going to fly down there tomorrow. But Angel then, boy. well, we started thinking about it, that might not be the most helpful thing right now for more people to come into the area, you know, with the best of intentions. So how can I support my parents- Um, they're now going down Sunday, but how do I support them? And how can we support those in these, in similar situations without necessarily like showing up and bombarding the area with just too many humans?
2: Yeah. Kudos to you on, on that thought process, because yeah, you don't want to make the problem worse. And so much of the motivation for the preparedness community and, and how and why preparedness has gone mainstream in recent years is more of the recognition that, if you have the ability to do something like to prepare and be self-reliant or be, be make smart decisions like what you just did, that is a pro-social thing, right? If you have the ability to not be a burden on the system, that's great. You're mm-hmm. You're helping the community at large because now we can focus those resources and attention where it's truly needed the most, the most vulnerable, the people that are at risk and so on. In terms of how do you support your parents, you know, if there's nothing tangible or logistic that you can do, like, for example, you know, maybe you could help them track down certain documents that they've that they've lost track of in the cloud that they now need to give to FEMA to get emergency funds. If there isn't something tangible like that, that you can help with, just be emotional help. Right. Mm. Any any time something like this happens, that's um, some degree of traumatic for people. And just having someone who's there listening, doing what a good friend or family member does in any kind of traumatic event uh, is helpful. So you can sometimes you can help just by being there and listening, as is the case with most problems in life. Wow.
4: John, thank you so much, founder of The Prepared. We appreciate everything you talked about, especially how um, much damage water can bring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to educate us.
2: You're welcome. Good luck.
4: Coming up, hundreds gather in West Hollywood to hold a candle vigil for Masa Amini. What does this mean for women empowerment? We will discuss coming up next. Thank you, John. It's going to be playing live at 723, but I got to leave you. We're going live right now. (laughs) Bye.
5: The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q.
3: As you are watching live here, history is being made as Ketanji Brown Jackson is being ceremoniously sworn into the U.S. Supreme Court. It's a victory for women and women of color here in the United States, while just last night... Uh, you were fighting for for women for a totally different reason. Uh, why don't you ex- explain uh, to our listeners what you experienced last night? Cause I think it's really powerful.
4: Yeah, it was so beautiful. As everyone knows, I am a big women's rights activist. I think it's so important. And what's happened to Masa Amini um, is now finally making world news protests and rallies are being held in honor of Masa and the many thousands and millions of Iranian women that are being uh, held down by the morality police. And for anybody um, who
3: maybe didn't know exactly what happened yeah, to Yeah,
4: so it was pretty uh, brutal what happened to Masa. I mean, a 22-year-old who was walking outside, her hijab did not cover her hair fully. And so the morality police, um, who really are just losers and really are bullies, uh, attacked her. Uh, She was found in the hospital with a concussion after being hit in the head because her hijab did not cover her hair fully. She later died, and that's what sparked uh, all of these rallies. We've watched Iranian women uh, shave off their hair in honor of Masa Amini last night. West Hollywood held the most beautiful candlelight vigil for her. Uh, One of the uh, Iranian mayors of West Hollywood, Seppi Shine, a good friend of mine, spoke, invited me. And honestly, there were hundreds of Iranian women there last night with signs that said, we are Masa Amini. Um, And they were standing up for their mothers, their sisters, their grandmothers, all ages. And it was really devastating uh, because they said it's 2022. Only 43 years ago, we were not under this Islamic Republic. They came in and took everything from us, and we're here fighting. One of the women who was speaking said it so beautifully. She received a letter from one of the women in Iran. And the woman in Iran said, We are desperate. All we have is our bodies. Um, we are cutting our hair to prove a point. We are using our body as shields to which was likened to, um, to self-mutilation i mean they're willing to do anything they can this is their last chance to protect themselves and we're watching all over the world now there there will be protests all over this weekend uh in germany in italy in the united kingdom um here in los angeles in the united states and just to watch these strong uh iranian women come together they didn't cry one tear. It mm. was not emotional for them. They were livid.
3: Yes, well, it's so fascinating because what they've been doing during these last 40 plus years is educating themselves and going to college and getting an education. They said
4: that. They're like, these women are educated but that, but in the, Iran. But
3: the difference between that and what's happening in the United States over the last 40 years... Or less and less people respect education and information. We're now calling everything fake news. And, and it's, the, it's the lower educated Americans who are also voting to take away rights of women and rights of queer people and rights of black people. It's interesting that in Iran, these women are fighting for their lives. And they're getting educated in the process. Well,
4: they said a lot of beautiful things. One thing that they said that was really important was we stood with you for George Floyd. Now, please mm. stand with us. Mm-hmm. Lesbian Iranian women stood up as they're being executed currently in Iran. Wow. Uh, Sepi Shine, the mayor who spoke, said she fled when she was five years old and she cannot go back to Iran because, as a lesbian Iranian woman in politics, her name is on a list and she would, in fact, be killed if she went back. So, this is what we're looking back in 2022. If if you care about women, if you care about Roe v. Wade, if you care about LGBTQ rights, I cannot stress enough, share this message, do what you can. It's so important. The vigil was beautiful and also just devastating that we still have to have this. All right, coming up, tonight, Twain recalls dinner with Oprah Winfrey. It didn't go very well, and she's going to tell you why. Coming up. The Morning
5: Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q. Man, I feel like a
3: woman, but I don't feel like talking about this topic. Uh, what's going on, Michaela? What's popping?
4: It's awkward. Shania Twain is recalling a dinner with Oprah Winfrey that went sour. What? Shania Twain learned her lesson when it comes to appropriate topics for dinner conversation. During an appearance on the Table Manners podcast, the 57-year-old singer recalled a lighthearted dinner turned to awkward with Oprah Winfrey. Uh, She said, I think one of my most memorable dinners was with Oprah. She's such a smart lady. It was great to just sit and have real talks, but as soon as we started talking about religion, it all went sour. So I said, let's stop talking about religion. She's quite religious, apparently. Uh, Shania admitted that she did not consider herself a religious individual. She said, I'm not religious in the sense that I'm dedicated to a religion. I'm just more of a spiritual person, and I would say that I'm a seeker. Everyone always says never talk about politics or religion. She said there was no room for debate. Oprah was not having it. And she likes to debate. Uh, she said Canadians like to debate on everything. So I was like, okay, time to change the subject. That's sh- that's kind of surprising to me. I didn't really think that Oprah would be so religious considering she, her whole show. She's sort of the one that introduced things like the secret and mm-hmm. um, spirituality as opposed to religious.
3: Oprah sort of takes the approach that I think I've always taken is that I believe in God. I believe in the story of Jesus. I believe in all of those things. I do not believe in religion. I believe a lot of the Bible is just bull, right? And for me, I, I I do sort of pick and choose because I'm not the type of person who's going to just blindly follow because some men decided to tell me to follow it, right? So I think she understands that everything is like intimately intertwined. And I went through phases where I was like, I stayed away from crystals and I didn't want... But also, I think they're all the same. I think I think everything has the power that you put into it, and that comes from some higher being.
4: Yeah, you, definitely. You, you can call
3: it God, Allah, whatever, um, the universe, the sun, whatever it is. I think it's all the same.
4: Yeah, I think so too. I do, I will say though, to Shania's um side of her argument. I have tried to debate the Bible and uh like where it comes from and the belief that people put into it. And I find that a lot of people Are very. I've been in my life, been quick to be like, well, that's just how it is. It was written, and you're like, but how? And they're like, because it was.
3: Yeah. What does that mean?
4: And I feel like, okay, but I don't have to believe that. But we can't
3: reevaluate it now.
4: I know it's weird. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of spirituality, religiousness, and astrology, a astrology, we're talking to Marcus Barrington coming up next about going into Libra season and why it's full of extremes. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon, Channel Q.
3: Welcome back to the Morning Beat. We have a Welcome great hour.
4: Welcome back to the Morning Beat. <sighs> At least
3: once a week she does this thing where she just <laughs> copies everything I say.
4: Listen, it's Friday. It is Friday. I'm in a better mood. You know, I wanted to say something. This is actually really good advice. Uh, Well,
3: this is an opportunity to say it because you you host a morning talk show, so you can probably say it.
4: I don't always have good advice. But full transparency, I was going through it yesterday. I had some personal issues come up within my family that really put me in a dark space, (laughs) which I think... It's very relatable. And I've been really just trying to no longer let those moments take over, but they just do. Mm-hmm. And then last night, I made myself of service to something that, although has something to do with me because I am a woman, I'm not an Iranian woman, but I found myself standing uh, at a place where I could be of service And the way that it definitely changed my mentality, where I was coming from and how I felt, I realized really more so yesterday than anything, if you find yourself in a dark space, Mm -hmm. if you find yourself not feeling so great, if you can do something for somebody else, big or small, it really is such a game changer. And it changed my mental health so much last night. And um, I just thought it was really helpful advice. And if there's anybody listening right now that needed that advice, it really um, it helped me. So make yourself of service. It really does make such a big difference.
3: Did you uh, try to promote your album last night?
4: Oh, my God. I wanted to so bad, but I didn't.
3: <laughs> Good for you. I'm proud. That shows growth.
4: Thank you. That shows growth. Listen, even though I wrote the perfect song for Iranian women, I'm not going to promote it. No, I I didn't. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I just stood there and like did what I was asked to do, and it felt really good. It just it. Sometimes when you do things for other people, it takes you out of like the head game of like everything one is about you or two that the world is so small because I feel like sometimes we think our problems are the biggest,
3: the only problems in the world.
4: Yeah, and yeah. they're really not.
3: No, it's real. Yeah, I've been getting uh, I was just showing Vanessa, our producer, a moment ago, photos my mom just sent from all of her friends in, in her neighborhood in Florida. And some of these houses completely wiped out. One of them is just a wall with a door. That's all that's left.
5: God. And
3: it, thank God my parents, part of their rooftop was ripped off and that was it. As far as they can tell, they have somebody going to try to take photos today to see if there's any interior damage. Um, but they're going through it, and, and the people of South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina right now, Ian, has uh, gained some more strength. It's now a hurricane uh, again, Category 1. It was a tropical storm as it moved over the uh, the land, but now it is back at sea. Uh, so sending love to the people of South Carolina, obviously. Mm. Uh, coming up this hour on the morning beat here in just a little bit, we've got Marcus Barrington, our hottie astrologist, calling in. Uh, to talk about Libra season and why it's so extreme. Let's go,
4: Libras. I love
3: this guy. Uh, right now, though, it's time for some news on the beat. And you have some new news for us. What's going on? I
4: do. Supreme Court Justice Katanja Brown Jackson has joined an institution of isolated chambers and archaic procedures. It is also a place that has lost the public's trust. So, as she navigates the cloistered corridors, she'll also have to watch her footing in the ongoing debate over the institution's legitimacy. In some respects, Jackson begins the news session Monday with advantages her recent predecessors lacked. She moved into her expansive, freshly painted chambers weeks ago. She had the summer to bone up on cases. And she has hired among her clerks a lawyer who previously served the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay. Okay. Great.
3: Remember when live on the air, you said that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and it was she was very much still alive. And we all panicked and lost our minds. And you didn't understand why we were so upset about your beta fish named Ruth Beta Ginsburg that died.
4: Okay, to be fair, I loved Ruth Beta Ginsburg, my my fish.
2: (laughs) one of my favorite (laughs) stories. And then months later,
3: she actually did die. So, (laughs) way to go, Michaela. Way to go.
4: The way our boss texted us and was like, was this breaking news? And I was like, I mean, it's just my fish, but yeah. Yeah, Lisa, Lisa just like, told me. She texted me. it was truth.
3: She's <laughs> such an idiot. <laughs> in the best way.
4: <laughs> the more I hear that story, the more I'm like, oh my God, that is so stupid. Mm-hmm.
3: Ruth Bader Ginsburg swam so that Katanji Brown Jackson could <laughs> fly.
4: Yes, she did, honey. Yes, she did. All right, let's get into weather. 61 in Boston today. <laughs> 65 in New York, 85 in Miami, 97 in Vegas, 82 in LA, and 100 in Palm Springs. Now give us a vibe of the day.
3: Um, I will give you a vibe of the day, but also one of our vibes, uh, our listeners are our vibes. We've got a listener from Denver who just uh, wrote us. Vanessa, do we have a name for this listener in Denver? Do we know? They DM'd us, I believe, on We Are Channel Q's website
4: Talk websites, to us, baby. Or on our, on our uh, Instagram accounts. Yes.
3: I'm trying to vamp for you while you Her look name for it.
4: Is- Jessica Taylor, shout out to you. Okay,
3: Jessica Taylor. Okay,
4: Jessica Taylor. Oh, that sounds like a hot name. Thanks for listening.
3: Listen, if you send us a message, we we get about one a day. So if you send us one, we're probably going to say your name live on the air. So just get ready for that. Here's a vibe for you. The only way to be truly satisfied with your life is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do.
4: Amen. Amen, baby. All right, coming up this hour, we're joined by our dear friend Marcus Barrington to talk about higher beings as we head into Libra season and the extremes it'll bring. Coming up in seven minutes
5: Good morning, B. Channel Q.
3: All right, things have been a little wild lately. You okay, Michaela? You just giggling on into the segment (laughs) right now? Why are
0: you laughing? Listen
4: to me. I just do things that I know Vanessa will laugh at. And so I'll do it before we go on air. Sometimes I do it on air. I literally, it doesn't matter what it is. If I know I can make Vanessa laugh, I want to do it okay and that's it that's all i did i just screamed a little bit before we went on air well she ha laughed. ha Let's everyone
3: michaela's funny
4: oh hardy hardy har well i know Hilarious. you're
3: super excited about our next guest our hottie astrologist marcus barrington him. is here marcus how are you i'm doing great how are you guys i'm so marcus? i'm so sorry if i'm sexualizing you by calling you our hottie astrologist do i have your consent to call you that <laughs> no, is that, that
6: okay, okay? yes i absolutely appreciate it when the two of you objectify
3: me so please feel free to do so we have that on record
4: thank Uh, you marcus (laughs) for allowing us to objectify you
3: well we've been talking a lot about how extreme everything feels lately right it's been this weird couple of weeks uh turns out we're in libra season and that could have something to do with it what's going on
6: Well, I'll tell you, the reason you're feeling the way you're feeling right now is because currently we're in what I lovingly refer to as the in-between. So there's a little lull in the energy because a whole bunch of stuff is sort of tying up and exiting, and it's there's like a week to two-week period before a whole bunch of things begin. And that's what Libra season's all about. It's all about balance. So all the things that are sort of out of balance are kind of screaming out of our lives right now. And we've actually just had some good movement within the chart. So we just had Venus move into Libra. So that just happened about a day ago. So Venus loves being in Libra. It's the sign of her exaltation. So Libra controls balance, but also controls relationships and partnerships. Venus is all about love and money and beauty. So she's cruising up into Libra, and she's really, as far as I'm concerned, Venus is the one to please right now, and the one to keep an eye on. All the outer planets are retrograde, causing a whole bunch of chaos in our lives. Mercury's still retrograde until Sunday. Mars isn't doing a whole lot right now. So Venus is really the only one making trails within the chart. So love, money, and beauty matters are really at the top of the chart. The other really great thing that just happened today, actually, is Ceres, which is a protoplanet. She's moving into Virgo planning. So Ceres controls the way we nurture ourselves. So that exercise, diet, and the things that we do for ourselves in the loving nature and the way we nurture other people. So we're in a period now where we're looking to find balance within relationships, partnerships, and business deals. And mm-hmm. also we're looking to make a plan as to how we can sort of better balance ourselves
3: and our care. Okay, I got to tell you, you're you're too good.
4: Yeah, you're so good. Also, (laughs) literally, can you give us any hope for this Mercury retrograde? Because, honey, it has been a wild season of communications and everything. I'm grateful that we've got Libra. We're moving into Virgo. So, uh, what are some things that we can leave behind this week? Because I'm sick of it. Well, you'll
6: actually be really happy to hear this Sunday when the Mercury retrograde ends... This was a really particularly difficult one and the reason was is because this particular mercury retrograde brought back all of the current stuff that he was dealing with but also all of the crap from the last mercury retrograde so the reason this one was particularly difficult is because you guys were dealing with two past mercury retrogrades so come sunday when he goes direct we're gonna be tying up about six months of ghosts and past crap that has been haunting us for a while. So there's gonna be this really, really big push once he goes direct, Venus is shining in Libra, Sirius is shining in Virgo, both signs they like to be in. So we're going to really leave stuff behind and launch forward with new relationships, new business partnerships, new exercise programs, all that stuff. So you're about to have a launch pad come about like, monday tuesday of next week is when you're really going to start to feel sort of the energetic shift take place
3: okay so i'm very excited about this i'm gonna tell you i've been married for 100 100 years it feels like 100 years 100 days <laughs> right i've been married for 100 days and it feels like an eternity already because we had the dumbest argument the other day that was so frustrating and we were both, I think, saying, as oftentimes is the case, the same exact thing, but from totally different perspectives. Mm. And we were both so uh. so frustrated that it felt like we were speaking different languages. Um, okay,
6: well, let me tell you, there was literally on my podcast, I did a special episode podcast for this past week. There was literally an aspect this week about fighting and conflict within relationships and partnerships. Juno was in Square, and it was about old topics. Same old fight, same Same old discussion. And that
1: could
4: go with all relationships, right? on
6: my podcast. And not just
4: partnerships. Like, that could go for any type of friendships, maybe family members.
6: Yep. Juno controls relationships and partnerships of all kinds. So not just love relationships, all partnerships, all relationships were sort of stressed this week. She was in a double square and she's also retrograde. She's a protoplanet in the outer ring. The other thing that's happening this week is Jupiter is in opposition first earlier this week with the sun. So that causes a lot of friction energy. And then tomorrow... Jupiter is gonna be opposite with Venus. So an overabundance, overdoing, and friction within love and business matters.
3: All right, Marcus, really quickly before we let you go, I've got a big meeting after work today. Uh, it's a big one, it's a big one. And uh, my partner and I are both involved in it. Uh, should we should we cancel it and wait till Monday? What's, what should we do?
6: No, 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 today's actually a great day for things of that nature. The planets are pretty quiet today. There's only like one major aspect. So today's actually a great day to get stuff done. Tomorrow, I wouldn't do any big meetings because, as I said, Venus and Jupiter will be in opposition, causing some friction within money and love matters. And then Sunday is a really big day when, when Mercury stations to go direct and there's several other stressed aspects. Juno in yet another square on Sunday. So I would do everything today and then just hide under your covers for the weekend. Don't do anything major for the weekend. Oh, perfect.
1: perfect.
4: I'm getting my booster today, so I'll be able to rest all weekend. And it sounds great. Go. Thank you so much, Marcus Barrington, not only for your wisdom, but your beauty.
2: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. You too.
4: The Morning Beat
5: with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q.
3: I'm not going to lie, the first time I saw your car, Michaela, you gave me a ride, um, and I got in your Jeep, and I thought, wow, she is a lesbian. Very much a lesbian. Why? Because it's a Jeep, and you're a a little girl. It's a big old Jeep, and you're a little girl, and it felt like a lesbian car to me.
4: No, babe, that doesn't mean it's a lesbian car. It just means I'm a little girl and I like want to be tough on the roads and not get run over.
3: Well, I'm going to tell you, it made me think of lesbian. Well, then your partner has like the sexiest, chicest little sports car in the world. You guys could not Best have- Best car ever. Two different- And it, it makes sense because hers well, is the sexy one. Well, my car's a
4: G Patriot because it was the first car I ever bought. It's my car and it's literally going to be paid off in like three months. I've never been more proud well, of it's myself. it's also
3: super helpful. It comes in handy because you yeah. have two different size cars for different types of things, right? Yeah. Sometimes you need to haul stuff. You've got photo shoots and things like that. Oh, So it makes sense to me. My point being, though, just like I did, I think a lot of people actually judge people based on the car they drive. And it's so relatable that one TikTokers uh, video about this has gone viral. Listen and find out why.
0: I want to know something crazy. One time I was going to an outing with my coworkers at one of my previous jobs that I actually hated, by the way, and um, I was late and I told her that I was late because I had to charge my car. And she was like, oh my God, charge your car. What kind of car do you have? I said, I have a Tesla. She said, how do you have a Tesla? And mind you, this is my manager. My thing is, if you have to question why I have a Tesla, that means that you're obviously not paying me enough. Why are you asking me that? Then they proceeded to ask me what my parents do, where am I from, like, all these personal questions to figure out, like, my finances and things like that. And I'm like, this is insane. So
4: that's inappropriate. That's crazy. That's so disrespectful. Try
3: to ask where his parents come from to see if maybe they just paid for the car. It's none
4: of your business. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so rude. I feel like, um, you know, I had this moment for a second where I work out at this gym and we all like go out to valet when it's time to leave. I work out with this particular trainer and all the girls literally have Teslas. And then my Jeep Patriot pulls up. And at one point I was like, do I feel embarrassed because I don't have like a Tesla? Like, should I have like a cool guy car? And I went home to Lisa and I was like, Lisa, give me the keys to the Audi. I want to look cool. And she was like, well, give me the keys to the Audi, but what do you care? And I was like, I don't know. I just do. And she was like, yeah, but babe, you don't even know if that's their car. So many people don't even have cars. They just drive their partner's Audis. And I was like, oh.
3: <laughs> well, I want to be like them.
4: Okay, fine. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, I feel like we get so caught up in the mix of like judging what people have when like we should just be giving ourselves kudos for just yeah make, like making Listen, it. Listen,
3: I, years ago I was at a friend's house and he was an old buddy of mine and he got married and had a daughter or I think he has two kids now, but at the time he had one and we went to his house. They were in like Santa Clarita, like way out there. And I was like, dude, like why do you live out here? He's like, because I could buy a house here. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but like this is so far away from LA. He's like, well, I don't work in LA. So I don't really, I don't really care. We were having a dinner party. Just just the four of us. Yeah. And he said, uh, and I said, and I, I mentioned randomly that I'd gotten a new Audi, a brand new Audi. I was hosting a national talk show on Fox at the time. Um, I think I might've just been let go of it actually. And he's like, bro, why do you have that car? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, why do you have that car payment? You're spending eight, $900 a month on a car payment right yeah. now. For what? And they're
4: so expensive. To, yeah, to
3: prove what? I'm like, I, I, I've earned it, I finally made it. I couldn't afford it actually. I was really like, I'd been let go and I was living off of like savings and it was quickly he going was away. And he says, if you wanna have the things you really want in life, if you want a family you want a house you want you have to make some sacrifices quit trying to like keep up with the neighbors and look a certain mm-hmm. way and let it he's like that's he's also a therapist he's like it's just your ego it's all that is and i was like hmm you're right a couple months later i got rid of that and ever since my partner and i have shared a car now it's a jaguar it's a nice car of course but we have one and we share it yeah and when he needs it he uses it when i need it i use it and yeah. then if if the car is not available we walk or we get on a little scooter or we get an uber whatever it, you know maybe but there's it, it, to judge somebody based on the car they drive like you know how many people in the world never ever ever own a vehicle ever like ever yeah we're so 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 fortunate to be you know living in the united states and even like even the worst car here is still better than a situation that most people in the world will ever experience.
4: But also, it's really important to note as well that most people with a lot of money, yep. I, in my opinion, they don't blow it. Don't blow it yeah. on like super nice cars. Like, they they use it for what it is a vehicle mm-hmm. to get you from point A to point B. And I think that, like, maybe because we live in LA, but everywhere else, like, be good with your money. Just if you have a lot of it or you don't, like, Stay humble with it. If you don't need a 10-bedroom house, don't have one. If you don't say, need yeah. a nice Jaguar, don't have one. Because usually
3: those people, like, when they have all those things, it's like, oh, you're trying to hide something. You're trying to be showy because you're insecure. That's how I see it.
4: Yeah. Well, I think this manager was very rude. I think to question anybody, their finances, their car, their status, it's just very inappropriate anyhow. Um, Good for him, this young kid that has a nice Tesla. Also, they are really good cars to have. You do save a lot on gas, uh, but stop judging people. It's weird. Good morning, Beat. Channel Q.
3: Michaela, quick, what's your favorite pasta?
4: Pasta, yolio, yolio.
3: Ah, yeah, there it is. I'm, no joke, my husband tried to argue me a few weeks ago. We were at dinner one night, and he was like, no, it's it's Cascio de Pepe or some, something else.
4: My husband's are fighting over me, and I love it. It's
3: very similar. I'm like, I'm her best friend, and she's Italian. If I don't know this, what do I know?
4: Okay, to be fair, they're very, very similar. Very similar. Very similar. I just Googled it actually because I wanted to truly understand. Um, what the real difference is, and there's really not a difference. Okay. Um, except the spaghetti is just a little bit different.
3: Maybe he was just looking at the ingredients and like thought that these are the things you love.
4: Yes, but I'll tell you the difference. The uh, cacio e pepe is only spaghetti and then cheese and like black pepper. Yeah, a lot of pepper. The oglio e olio is. Olive oil, yeah, chili flakes, yep. which like makes it, garlic. Garlic,
3: that's the thing that I love.
4: And then the cheese. Yeah. And it's just like the bomb. Uh-huh. But if we ever go on a game show, if you're like, what pasta can you make the best? It's pasta of Azul, which is what my grandma used to make. Got it. And that's my second favorite.
3: Not to be confused with the Olive Garden's uh, soup. soup, which I do make. So. I know,
4: but I don't make it as a soup. I make it as a pasta and it's <sighs> the bomb.
3: Well, I got to tell you, I'm hungry. You know what I got as a wedding <laughs> gift for my cousin before I let you get onto what's popping? Um, she got me a, a one of those uh, Le Creuset uh, Dutch ovens.
6: Mm. Gorgeous. But
3: she got me like this off white one that has rainbow hearts on it. It's a pride special edition that came out during pride month this year. And now it's finally getting into soup season. So I can start making soups.
4: Oh, I love soups! Very, soupy. very excited. I,
3: I might braise a short rib. I, there's all kinds of the, the opportunities and the possibilities are endless. Is what I'm saying.
4: I love it, and I love to hear that.
3: Okay, uh, do you want to do some what's popping?
4: Oh, I'm I'm kind of hungry now.
3: Right for pasta, olio, olio. That's right. I can't say it.
4: <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, this story is wild. Elon Musk's father fancies himself a real-life, dirty, hairy or Rambo-like figure, and he's recounting how he once checked out a mob of home intruders all by himself. A mob? The way Errol Musk describes the 1998 incident really does sound like a Hollywood action movie. He and his then six-year-old daughter, Allie, were in his South African home. While she was taking a bath, he encountered seven armed men in another part of the house. The 76-year-old told the article the gang immediately opened fire on him, but just like in the movies, he miraculously dodged all the bullets, retreated to a bedroom, and grabbed a .357 Magnum handgun. Errol says his gun was loaded with hollow-point bullets, and his very first shot went straight through one intruder's head, and the shrapnel entered another's chest. He says both men were killed at that point. He says the rest of them fled, but he managed to shoot one more in a hallway. This is wild, but also brings up a really important conversation. You know, my partner, Lisa, is a gun owner and she has uh, one gun. We know where it's kept. She makes us run fire drills with the dogs. I swear to God, it's so dumb, but it does make <laughs> sense. Because there's two women living here in L.A. We just want to be able to protect ourselves. But we also have to be very careful of the laws, because unlike South Africa, if an intruder comes into your home and you shoot them, you could actually be held responsible for uh, murder or uh, anything of that type. So... Know how to protect yourself, clearly, the way that Errol Musk does, and also know the laws. But he was like Scarface in South Africa. Like, he was, what was going happening? Off. He's like, My daughter was in the bathtub. Seven men tried to shoot me up. So went into my room, got my bullet 357 and shot him dead.
3: Very James Bond meets Robocop, meets all the
4: things. Go off, babe. Okay. Seriously. Good for you, Zaddy. All right. Coming up in our final hour, we have an interview with Alexis Lynn about keeping it real. While she empowers others with her honest lyrics, this new album is amazing. We need the visibility and representation, and she's giving it to us. The Morning Beat, Channel Q.
3: Welcome back to the show. You know, every chance we get to highlight uh, a new artist, somebody from our community, uh, we always take that opportunity, and this is one of those opportunities. Uh, Please welcome to The Morning Beat, Alexis Lynn. Alexis, how are you?
7: Hi, I'm good. Thank you so
3: much for having me. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. Hi, we're doing Queen. great, and, and hi, we're so excited to have you here because of the way you talk about your experience and share your music um, on Instagram and TikTok, amongst other places. And you talk about, you know, your your life as a bisexual woman, as a feminist, as a mental health advocate, which is so important. Uh, what inspires your music?
7: Thank you, first of all. Um, Honestly, I'd say, like, a lot of my music is quite personal to me, and a lot of it's inspired by my own experiences. Um, I think I write a lot, too, about, you know, people in my life, but a lot of it comes from my own life experiences. And I think it's important to, you know, share honest conversations in music and to say some things that might be hard to say in real life. So I think that's kind of where a lot of my music comes from.
4: Alexis, you're such an icon, and I know that we both worked so closely with Brandon Rogers, uh, American yes. Idol contestant, my brother, and J.J. Catalyst, this song. Sounds so amazing. So I love that we get to just share that journey together. But something that I feel is so relatable with you is in your upcoming single, Something to Prove, which we'll play in a moment. But talk about the struggle that you wanted to discuss, because I think it's relatable for a lot of people, whether you're bisexual, male or female.
7: Yeah. So I originally wrote... Um, something to prove as a rewrite to um, the song Complex, which went viral on TikTok. So everyone was doing covers of it and rewrites, and I thought I wanted to do a rewrite of it from a bisexual perspective of someone struggling with a male validation complex. And when I wrote the rewrite, I had, I had no expectation of it going viral. So that was um, really a surprise and really... Um, a shock for me, but um, when I went viral, I realized how common of an experience it was. And I really had no clue Um, because for me, I've always been quite accepting of my sexuality outwardly, but I've struggled subconsciously, which I think a lot lot of people do. Um, And the rewrite talked about how as a woman, as a woman, um, like there's this patriarchal society that holds this value that the validation of a woman being at attractiveness, worth or whatever can often only come from a man and how sometimes you end up seeking that unauthentically, um, no matter like how subconscious that is. And I think um, it was something that was just really close to my heart. And I really didn't understand how many people that this would relate to. And so that was really cool for me. And I decided to, you know, rewrite the entire song and release it as, you know, my own song.
3: Well, let's talk about that for a minute, because a lot of times I think people think, Mm -hmm. oh, only somebody who fully understands your experience can can really walk the walk and talk the talk. But just like Michaela co-wrote her album, Vivian, uh, which dealt with a lot of issues, women's rights uh, with Brandon Rogers. So did you like you write music with Mm -hmm. Brandon Rogers and he's very much he's a gay black man. So mm-hmm. for those who who think uh, if it's not if it's not directly affecting me, if it's not my life, if I don't have to walk that walk. I'm just going to stay out of that space. What would you say to those listeners?
7: Honestly, I'd say um, I'd say get involved because I think there's. If it doesn't affect you, it affects someone. And I think that's equally as as important. Um, and I think also every time I'm on the Internet, I'm reminded that none of our experiences are as unique as we think. Mm. And I think that you can find something in everyone's experience. And I think human emotion is so universal, whether it's pain and suffering or joy and celebration. I think we all share that.
3: That is so true. My husband Mm -hmm. and I had this conversation the other day about some family issues that both of us struggle with and just some other insecurities we struggle with, you know, imposter syndrome, blah, blah, blah. Anybody who's a performer goes through this, right? And, Mm -hmm. And feeling like a fraud. And I said, listen, what you're going through is real. I validate that. And I appreciate that you validate what I'm going through. But truth be told, we're not like the only ones in the world. We're not so unique and special that we're the only ones who've ever experienced this. And I say that to say... There is strength in community there's strength in reaching out mm-hmm. to others and having conversations with others who are probably going through the same thing which sounds like is your goal with your music?
7: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think some of my favorite music has have been super personal songs that I've related to and felt like you know like I've experienced this and I've never had the words for it. And I think to be able to provide that for someone else or hope to provide that for someone else is like the highest compliment as an artist and the type of artist that I want to be.
4: Well, Alexis, you're incredible. I cannot wait to hear this album. I know it's going to be everything. But now, would you please do us the honors of introducing your single from your upcoming album, Real Talk, your sophomore
7: album? Thank you so much. This is my latest single, Real Talk, from my new album.
6: Hearts of friends with the house on fire Still quite hot when you're in denial Just slip, please is-
3: I remember fondly back in the day voting repeatedly for the addition of the blue Eminem. Very excited about this story.
4: I'm clearly <laughs> throwing, freaking out. Throwing your mic
3: across the room. Oh,
4: my God, girl.
3: Remember when the blue M&M was added? Do you remember? Or are you too young? I'm too young. Too young. Okay. So well, young. I, I was in like high You're school or college, young. I think, and it was a big, big deal. M&M's used to be a little bit more basic, right? But by adding the blue M&M, we got closer to the full rainbow color. We have red, orange, yellow, green, blue. We even have brown mm-hmm. representing our black and brown brothers and sisters, right? It's a big old queer flag. The one color we're missing is purple until now, because for the first time in 10 years, Eminem has introduced a new quirky character, and she even comes with her very own song. Take a listen.
5: Uh. (laughs) I'm just gonna be me. I'm just gonna be me. Nothing else I can be but a purpley peanut-shaped chocolate Candy.
4: She's
5: really peanut shaped. Oh, hello. I'm just
4: gonna be. Me. Oh my oh, god, this honey. is so That's cute. So-
3: she's she's just gonna be her.
4: I'm just gonna be me. I love it.
3: Well, this is for the first time ever. They have a female peanut M M&M and M spokes candy who was designed to represent acceptance and inclusivity, Laugh. and is quirky, confident, and authentic. She beat out aqua and pink but well, beautiful colors as well. But I love I, purple it. Purple just makes more Aqua sense. Aqua
4: pink wouldn't have made sense. Purple is like a spiritual fabulous, yes. like empress color. You add
3: pink down the line for like trans rights. That might be the next color that makes sense logically. We're going to yeah. have a whole big old like LGBTQ plus rainbow flag, which is phenomenal.
4: Yes. Okay, this story is amazing. I'm obsessed. Obviously, I'm obsessed with Armenian women, a- a- aka Lisa Pittman and the Kardashians. But one Armenian woman also taking New York Fashion Week by storm is the iconic share. She walked Balmain and honestly, this woman is 80 years old and can get it from everybody. She literally looks so incredible. She was strutting her stuff. Her body looks insane. She has had a little bit of work, but honestly, at eighty years old, <laughs> a little
3: bit of work. That's who cute.
4: cares? Yeah, she's I don't know many eighty-year-olds that are as mobile as she is. She mm-hmm. was in platform heels, leather pants, her long signature black hair, serving, and they went nuts for her. She's been a daring pioneer, a true trailblazer for over six decades. One uh, user said, "Never." slowing down, always pulling us along with her as she courageously marches forward. I mean, she's been through a lot. Losing Sunny in itself was a lot. uh, But she's always been a really great ally and advocate uh, with her son, who uh, is a trans man. She's always been very uh, forward-thinking. I love her. I love you, Cher. Love to see it. Uh, As always, thank you so much for listening to our show. Have an amazing weekend. We'll make sure to have a great show for you Monday. Until then, we'll see ya.